Okay, good. Some of you are in the battle. The, uh, the message today is going to be about a battle, but it's not going to be about the battle you might be thinking about. And so uh, I hope and pray that your spiritual ears are open so that you can hear what the Spirit might be saying to the church. But first of all, I need to tell you a personal story of mine. It'll help relate uh, to uh, the passage later on. But on November the 4th, 1958, after a day of being inducted into the Air Force, I, uh, I boarded a train in Los Angeles at the age of 18. Three days later, I was standing in the parking lot at 4.30 in the morning in San Antonio, Texas, with 29 other guys, all decked out in the same uh, civilian dress code of our choice. At the ripe old age of uh, 18, I had already barely decided what I wanted to wear and what I liked to wear and what I wanted to look like. Then a little short guy, as we were all standing in this parking lot, a little short guy with a funny looking hat walked up to us. I hear some of you chuckling, you've been there. And he simply hollered, fall in. <laughs> I looked around for whatever it was that we were gonna fall into. And that was my first mistake, <laughs> looking around. The rest is history. We were introduced to what I knew then was going to be our TI, and I knew it immediately that it was not going to become any friend of mine. He said, you all look like blank. I'll let you fill in the blank. And then he said, if your mommy dressed you before you came here, I want you to know I'll be your mommy, your new mommy for the next 10 weeks. Now, you might be saying at your age, Larry, how do you remember all of those details? It was because I felt like my life depended upon it at the time, whether this was an important moment in my life or not. I quickly decided it was so important that I put that moment into my deepest memory. You see, you remember moments like that, don't you? So after Sergeant Jenkins' short in induction, introduction speech, he, he told us we were going to march over to that big gray building over there and, and put on our military dress code and get a haircut. I thought that was kind of ridiculous because I already had a great looking flat top, you know. We were all given boxes to pack up our civilian dress code and dress code of our choice, of course, and and we were told that we would be shipping it back home or he would just simply burn it for us. I cannot remember the option I chose. But after our haircuts and we were dressed in our military dress code, it was amazing. After a period of time, we all looked the same. We even all began to talk the same, act the same after a period of time. Sooner than later, we even began to think the same. It was amazing, the transition of discipline from individuality into unity. No wonder Jesus prayed his prayer in John 17, when he prayed for the unity of the church. We must understand we do not only become unified by agreeing or disagreeing on essential matters, but in spiritual matters, by being sanctified, set apart in the truth of God's word. 
There's no debate about God's truth. I want to date myself just a little bit here. I can remember when I was in my 20s, there was a couple of television programs that were pretty popular. One was Truth or Consequences. You either got the truth or what? You got the consequence. Another one was to tell the truth. That's where a panel of three, I think it was, uh, set before a group. And one of them knew the truth of the occupation, but the other two were going to fake it. And if you chose the one who knew the truth, you were in good shape. If you weren't, if you didn't, you weren't in such good shape. We, we, we just must understand, we have been transformed. We have been transformed in what was, what was before just a mob of rainbows, as, they were, as we were called initially, into a flight of well-disciplined, focused on a mission, able to, to do our part in whatever battle that would come. Now, I've only said all of that so that you can understand where I'm going these next two Sundays with this two-part message of the Lord's dress code. I'm sure you've all heard uh, by now that there are wars and that there are rumors of wars. I think the, the Word of God says something about that fact. But the war we're going to focus on today and next Sunday is a battle that puts all of the world's wars combined to shame. They all pale in the scope of the battle that we're facing today in every day of our lives. So let's get going. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And I'll read and you can follow along because I like to make comments as I go along. Chapter 6 of Ephesians verse 10 beginning. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in the first century the church under terrible persecution, spirit, a terrible spiritual battle before them to stay with the faith. And so Paul finally says, he says, finally, verse 10, I'm reading from the New International. If you have another version, it all means the same. But finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. They must have been getting weak. Finally be strong. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, the enemy of the body of Christ. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, not just part of it. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet uh, fettered, fitted with the, readiness, uh, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's what we'll look at today. Next week, we'll look at the other parts of the, of the Lord's dress code. The first part we're going to look at today is this belt of truth. Then we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness. 
I think on your bulletin there's a picture of, of a centurion dressed in his armor, or maybe up here too. Uh, that's the armor. That's good. And then finally, the gospel of peace is fitted on our feet. The belt of truth. Just as a belt is worn close to the body, we should always hold God's truth close to us. That's all Paul is saying. Just hold the word of God close to you and allow it to surround you as a belt surrounds our body. That's all he's saying there. So many times we'll keep the word of God at a distance from us because it might offend us. It might even make us feel guilty. But Paul says, cinch it up, tighten it up around you. When we remain in and are surrounded by God's truth and not the truth of this world, we will be able to distinguish what is true, what is false, and what is good and what is evil. Secondly, this breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate, pretty large thing there on the second from the left there. Probably one of the most important items of the Roman centurion's armor during battle. On a Christian's body, symbolically, it represents the one piece of armor that can protect our hearts against the stinging arrows of sin. When we are righteous, this breastplate of righteousness, when we are righteous, we are simply right with God. The enemy has no way to harm us. He has no way to harm such a vital organ as one's heart and soul and mind. Can I get an amen there, Bill? Thank you, Bill. Glad to see you, by the way. Good to have you back with us. James tells us that if we draw near to God, guess what? The devil flees. You see, the devil can't remain in an atmosphere of praise and obedience to the living God. Final note, the breastplate only protected the Roman centurion. This is very important. It only protected the Roman centurion on a frontal attack, never during a retreat, because there's nothing on the backside. Never run from the devil. Never retreat. Draw near to God, and he'll flee. It's too simple, isn't it? Huh? The third point, the third thing is his feet shod with gospel of peace, fitted with the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is good news. It goes way beyond human understanding. It's good news for the day, for the world. You know, that morning when our military dress code was being issued to us, the most time spent in fitting was in our shoes or our, our boots or our brogans, they called them at the time. It's a fact, you know, you should know this by now, that it's a fact. No, no soldier in battle will last long if their feet are not protected. No wonder Paul the Apostle adds the shoe 
as the protection of God's peace in our lives. Some might be saying, why, why does the message today have such a military tone to it? Well, it's because in all of the Apostle Paul's inspired words to all of the congregation of the first century, he uses a lot of military analogies to get his point across because they're in a, we're in a spiritual battle. This isn't some walk in the park. We're in a spiritual battle before us. It's a shame, I think, that many a soul is allowed to come into Christianity thinking all they have to do is some good work, along with somewhat consistent <clears throat> church attendance, and that then someday they'll be transported into glory. They might as, they might as well join a community service club with that kind of a teaching, with that kind of an attitude. We need to go back to Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, for just a moment, where Jesus, after his resurrection and prior to his ascension on Pentecost, gathers together almost over 500, Paul writes later on, 500 of his followers, and he tells them what the church is to be doing. But before he gives them their marching orders, he tells them who's in control. In verse 16, or verse 18, the Lord says, I have all authority. I have all authority. This takes my mind back to that moment in the parking lot some 60 years ago. If any of us guys had any good sense at all, we would realize quickly who had all the authority over our lives at the moment. Because if we didn't realize who had all the authority, we wouldn't be around much longer. Now, if born-again believers bearing the identity of Christian, of Christian would only realize who it is that will have all the authority over their lives, the battle is won. But it still has to be fought, you see, because the enemy, the devil himself, is going to try to Take anyone he can prisoner if he gets a chance. Let me just begin to close. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> Let me just begin to close with, with this thought. Is it going to be God's truth or is it going to be the world's truth? What's it going to be? Is it going to be truth or is it going to be consequences? What's it going to be? Are you right with God? Is it going to be that you're right with God or that you're right with the world? It's very in today to be right with the world, you notice. And if the church falls into that trap, it's just a matter of time. Are you going to be at peace with God? Are you going to be at peace with God or are you going to be at peace with the world? Everyone agreeing with your particular point of view. You know what I'm talking about. You see, with any of the above missing, if God's truth is missing, if being right with God is missing, 
if having the peace of the world, if God's peace is missing in your life, your spiritual battle will be lost in time. It's just a matter of time. And with all three of those missing, a person's spiritual life is already in peril. God's truth or the world's truth. Right with God or right with the world. Peace with God or peace with the world. For me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world, according to 1 John 4, 4. The question to ask yourself in these moments, the hours, the days, maybe even the years ahead, and I hope sooner than later, stop what you're doing right now. Stop what you're thinking. Ask yourself, am I surrounded by the truth of God? Do I have that belt of truth on surrounding me? Am I right with God? Am I wearing that breastplate of righteousness in the Lord's dress code? Am I right with God or am I only right with the world? You see, you're the only one that can ask yourself that. The Lord already knows. Finally, am I at eternal peace? Am I at eternal peace with God or temporary peace with this world? It's those shoes that every soldier had to have on, had to be fitted right. The peace of God has to fit just right. It can't fit as we desire it to fit. It can't fit as the world says it should fit. It has to fit perfect in our lives. And only relationship with Jesus Christ makes it perfect. If you need someone to pray with you today, that prayer corner will be open over there and I see Peter heading that way. What a, what a beautiful time to just go and have prayer pray with you about those questions. Am I surrounded by the truth of God? Please pray for me. Am I right with God? Or am I only right with the world? Please pray for me. Am I at peace eternally with God? Is my eternal life secure? Please pray for me. Whether you've ever been in military service or not is not important today. What's important is that you understand that if you are a Christian, you're in a battle. And your choice of civilian dress code won't fit, won't work. Your choice of civilian worldly attitudes won't work in that battle. You'll lose. You need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your shield, which we'll talk about next week. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful and thankful today, God. Uh, I know this is a short message, but it's powerful. It's powerful because it's from your word. Thank you for the pre preparation that others have been praying for, and I pray for the clarity today.
If these words have fallen on the ears of people who have courage, willing to be in the battle that you have before us, have courage, Father, to have peace with you instead of the world, have the courage to be surrounded by the, your truth and not the truth of this world, and certainly, Father, give us the courage to admit we need eternal peace with you, not temporary peace with this world. So, Father, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes fitted to our feet are important because they represent your truth, your righteousness, and your peace for all of us who would choose. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.